Tonight's Old Testament reading is Zechariah 4, verses 1 through 10. It can be found on page 2 in your bulletin. And the angel who talked with me came again and woke me, like a man who is awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold, with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it, with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? I said, No, my Lord. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice, and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range through the whole earth. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. Happy New Year to all of you. My name is Andrew Russell. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. Um, I've, I've been gone for about two weeks. Uh, my family and I drove down to Dallas, Texas in a Ford Expedition. It took us 180 days. Um, so I, I feel like I'm in the, what year is this again? Is this 2022? But I um, want to bring you greetings from our Pastor Glenn. He is at home uh, quarantining, but he will be back next week to start a new sermon series. So please be praying for Glenn. Glenn, I know you're watching. We love you and we'll be praying for you. So let's pray before we get into the sermon. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, through the means of your word. Father, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase in this place. I pray that if there are those today who are unsure about who you are, that they would receive more clarity today. In Jesus' name, amen. So today you might be wondering what in the world am I doing preaching on 10 lampstands and seven eyes and all these things. But what I want to do tonight is to encourage you. You know, we're still in the beginning of a new year. And I want to encourage you as we look forward into 2022 that God will build his church not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. And if you are in Christ, if you consider yourself a, a member of God's church, this message is for you. And if you are not in Christ and you're just checking things out, this message is still for you. Because one of the reasons why I love preaching from the Old Testament is to show how God is faithful back then. And if God has been faithful back then, he will be faithful now. We sang the song, you are the everlasting God. You do not faint. You don't grow weary. And so tonight I want to show us and encourage us that God is not going to give up on you, that his spirit will fix you and help you 
in your time of need. So Zechariah is one of the longest books in the minor prophets. So in the Old Testament, you have a group of books called the minor prophets. It's Haggai and Ezra, uh, Zechariah and others. And so Zechariah is the longest of the minor prophets. And Jerome, who is an early church father, said that Zechariah is the most obscure book in all of the Hebrew Bible. And Zechariah 4 chronicles the times when the people of Israel return from Babylonian exile. It's a book of various visions concerning the rebuilding of God's temple. So just to give you a brief history, really short, King Solomon built the first temple uh, for the people of Israel, and it was destroyed, and the people of Israel were sent in exile to Babylon, and now they're coming back, and they're about to build this second temple. And Zechariah is the prophet during the time of this second temple building. So the, my argument, my thesis statement for whatever you want to call it, if you're writing notes, is this. God will build his church not by military might nor by human power, but by his Holy Spirit. And God is the great architect He created all things visible and invisible by the power of his word and the might of the Holy Spirit. Uh, One of the most prestigious architectural awards in the world is called the Pritzker Architectural Prize. Do we have any architects in the room? Has anybody ever heard of the Pritzker Award? Okay, some of us. All right, so the Pritzker Award is an international award that was established by the Pritzker family in 1979. And it is often referred as the Nobel Prize of Architecture and the profession's highest honor. And the purpose of this award is to honor a living architect or architects whose work demonstrates talent and vision and commitment. And you're judged on how, it, how does your work make an impact on the environment. And you're judged on three things, durability, convenience, and beauty. So why do I bring up the subject of architecture? Well, because in Zechariah chapter 4, Zerubbabel, who is the governor of that day, is tasked to help rebuild the temple after the children of Israel had returned from exile. And Zerubbabel, like I said, is a governor. He is a descendant of the king of David, King David. And also he represents the line through which Jesus Christ will come. And Zechariah receives a vision from God to prophesy to Zerubbabel that the building of God's temple will not be done by might nor by power, but by God's Holy Spirit. The vision in Zechariah 4 serves to prove that it is God who will sustain and accomplish the rebuilding of his temple despite the opposition. And yes, there was much opposition in the rebuilding of God's temple. The prophets Haggai and Ezra chronicle how uh, other nations frustrated the efforts of the children of Israel to rebuild the temple by bribes and intimidation. In fact, even God's own people, they lamented the fact that this second temple that they were building was smaller than the first temple. In Ezra Ezra chapter 3, verse 12, it says, But many of the priests and the Levites 
and the heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. And so the, the angel of the Lord, he uh, describes, the, the angel describes this opposition as a mountain in verse 7. And in verse 10, the angel of the Lord says, for whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Now, a plumb line is as a device to use to measure angles, to measure the height and the width of something. And the second temple started out as this seemingly small, insignificant uh, uh, thing, and it drew much opposition. And the church of Jesus Christ seems to be the same way, right? It, the church seems small and insignificant. The church seems irrelevant. The church seems like it's kind of in its, you know, working out its former glory. Like the church was so good back then and now the church is in shambles and the temptation is to use human might and human wisdom and human strategies to make the church into our vision of what we think the perfect church is. And you could imagine the the, the people in that day when they're building the second temple, they remember the glories of Solomon's temple and how beautiful and majestic it looked and uh, and the holy of holies and and the menorah, uh, the menorahs were the candles that lit their way to the uh, from the altar of sacrifice to the holy of holies. And, and they're looking at all the artwork and the beauty of the first temple. And when they see this second temple, they're like, oh, my goodness. Look how small, look how insignificant, look how it doesn't compare to the first temple. And, and I think a lot of times today when we come to church or when we see the church, because if you are in Christ, the church is you, the Holy Spirit dwells in people and not in buildings. We can easily say, you know what, that those people, <laughs> they're small and insignificant, they're irrelevant, And the temptation is to say, you know what, let me try to make the church into what I feel is the perfect church. And so my question today is, what is your vision of the perfect church? Is your vision, you know, the perfect church has some good music. It might have some, you know, hymns or might have some lively, you know, moving. Or it has maybe better preaching. Maybe the, maybe the perfect church has vibrant ministries for singles and women and, and men. Or maybe the church uh, has, the perfect church has a perfect harmonious ratio of different ethnic groups. Or maybe uh, you might think the church is a place where people are committed to the church and church membership. Maybe the perfect church is a place where you can grow in your spiritual gifts. Now, all of these things are good. But whatever your idea of the perfect church is, it will not happen by might, nor by power, but only by God's Holy Spirit. God builds his church, and he will do it by his spirit. Now, a few years ago, I came across this uh, story about a small town in Portsmouth, Ohio. And in this, this, this small town, it was devastated by the opioid crisis and a gentleman named Tim Wolf, who was an army vet, was interviewed. And while he was interviewed, he was saying, you know, what he did for a living. And he said, 
when I, when he was an army vet that he was in Iraq and he would help to build Iraq. And so he thought, you know what, I'm going to come to my small town and do the same thing because I've done this in Iraq. And he said people said that he was nuts, that he was crazy because this, this town is finished. I mean, it's been devastated by drugs and it's falling apart. And this is what he said. He said, everybody questions the investment all the time. But if this is our home, we have no other choice. We either fix it up or you let it fall all around it. Now, when it comes to the church, who are the people of God, a lot of times you you might say, man, the church is messed up. You know, it's irrelevant. Uh, it, It doesn't do any, it has no impact in our community. And, and <laughs> you might think, well, who is going to help? And here's, here's the truth. The truth is that Jesus Christ, who is the church, the body of, we are the body of Christ and Jesus is our head and he gives us his spirit. Jesus Christ will not give up on his church. Just like Tim Wolfe said, we either fix it up or let it fall around. God will build his church. No matter how devastated it might seem or be, he will invest in ruined people for his glory. It won't be done by more government programs, although some of those are helpful. It won't be done by more jobs, although some of those are helpful It won't be done by good music or good preaching and outreach programs, although some of those are helpful. But it can only be done by God's Holy Spirit who hovered over the darkness in the very beginning of time and who made and gave shape to what that was formless and void. It will only be done by God's Holy Spirit. And so we live in a world that says that you can achieve anything by human innovation and an expert analysis. And you, you can either achieve by either having one powerful person, whether it be a president or CEO or a senator or a congressman, or maybe a group of powerful people like a group of expert scientists or uh, unions or research universities or world governments or corporations. Whatever the case, we, we see in our world, if you want to get things done, you got to go to a powerful person or powerful people. And so we're used to seeing things done in this world. We, we see people with power. We, we see people getting things done. And so when we hear uh, Zechariah 4, 6 gets this vision that says, not by might, nor by power, but by God's Holy Spirit in our day's age in 2022, it's hard to understand that because we see powerful people doing things in the world. So where do, where's God's Holy Spirit? Because I, I, I've seen this powerful person do something. I've seen these powerful people make improvements. And, 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 it's, and it's hard to hear that we need to depend on the Holy Spirit when we've been doing things in our own strength. And here are a few reasons why we depend on our own might. One, it's easier, right? It's easier. If you, you know, if you know how to do it, then you don't need to ask other people you can get it done. Uh, we don't have to wait for someone else. Number two. Number three, it's cheaper. Uh, we, we have a sense of control. Raise your hand in this room if you like control. Oh, my God, help us. Help us, Lord. 
I'm right there with you because I have six kids and I wake up every day saying, Lord, give me control. Give us control, oh God. So I'm right there with you. And And then finally, we can measure success and we can see immediate results. And so why is it so hard to depend on the Holy Spirit? One, we got to wait. Two, it's costly because you have to humble yourself and give up trying in your own strength. Three, we, we don't have control or the control that we would like to have. Four, we, we can't measure success. And then five, we don't see immediate results. So how do we depend on the Holy Spirit when it seems like we can accomplish our own goals by our own power and our own might. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have three applications and close, and these applications are coming from the text. So the first one is to listen and ask. So Zechariah had a vision where the angel of the Lord spoke to him concerning a gold lampstand and olive trees. And throughout the vision, Zechariah asked for clarity. In verse four, he says, what are these? Verse 11, what are these two olive trees? And then he asked, what, what are these two branches? And I, I believe the two olive trees that uh, re- were revealed in the vision to Zechariah are Joshua the high priest, who was spoken of in Zechariah chapter 3, and Zerubbabel. Now, many times in our walk of faith, uh, we're often distracted and are not even in a position to hear from God, to even be in a place to say, what are these? For some of us, our environment is so noisy and stressful that we don't even have time or space to listen to God. In order for us to, to, to hear that we need to be in a place to listen, we, we need to, to remove the distractions. You know, real quick, I, I don't, if you know me, you know that I love fish. And I have three fish tanks at home. I have a 75-gallon fish tank of 55 and a 29. And it's a lot. That's a lot of water. And I love my fish. You know, some of you might think, you got six kids. Why do you want to pile on all these fish? It helps me. You know, know, when I see the fish swimming peacefully, I'm like, Lord, that's what it's going to be like in heaven, you know. But in my, in my 75-gallon fish tank, I have all these what, what are African cichlids. They are mbuna, which are rock dwellers. And if the environment of my fish tank is not right, the fish will get stressed, and they'll get sick, and they'll die. So uh, a couple weeks ago, my 75-gallon tank is doing well. I've, I've had it for over a year. And then I decided to put some of the fish in the 55 because they had babies and I put them in the 75 and it messed up the whole environment. The chemistry was off. The pH was off. The ammonia spiked up. And all of a sudden I saw my fish swimming to the end of the glass like this. And I'm wondering what's going on. And I realized that the environment was messed up. And so they, they got stressed and they got sick. And I had about 10 fish die. But I ended up uh, uh, fixing their environment, and now they're thriving. So my, my point in this question is this, and this illustration is this, that if you're not in the right environment, it's hard to hear what God has to say. And we need to make room to listen to God's word and to God's Holy Spirit. 
And then when we make room to listen, God grants us the grace to ask him questions like Zechariah did in the vision. The psalmist said, one thing have I desired and that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in God's temple. He wanted to make it his quest to know God's will, to know God's way and God's thoughts. And many people see Christianity as a religion where you can't ask questions. They say, I don't want to be a Christian because you can't question anything. You can't bring your doubts. You have to blindly follow doctrines and be brainwashed. But my friends, the Christian faith is, I would argue, is one of, is the most free-thinking faith because God invites his people to ask questions God invites his people to inquire and to discover and to ask like Zechariah, what are these? Lord, I'm in 2022. I don't know what's going to happen to me and my family. What am I going to do? Lord, uh, you put this obstacle in my way. What is going on? What are these? And God invites us to ask him these questions Because the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person and this person wants to dwell inside of you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of the mind of God. And so when we pray, we pray and we ask God, Lord, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what's going to happen in 2022. I don't know what's going on in my family, in my relationships, in my home. And, the, and, and, and when we, uh, the Holy Spirit hears our prayers and, and translates those prayers and, and searches the deep things of God, and then we hear from heaven. Now, if you don't understand what God is asking of you, ask questions. I invite you to ask questions before you uh, put out your strategies, before you operate in your own might or your power, Ask questions. Say, God, what what would you have me to do this year? God, what type of church would you like Grace Downtown to be? God, what would you want me to do in my community this year? And I bet you God will give you an answer. Secondly, trust the process. God spoke to Zechariah in a vision to give a word to Zerubbabel. God spoke to Zechariah in a vision to give a word to Zerubbabel. God did not give the vision to Zerubbabel, even though the message was concerning him. So what does this mean for us? That we must trust God's work in other people because God wants to build you up through other people. Remember, the word came to Zechariah for Zerubbabel. The angel of the Lord didn't come to Zerubbabel But the angel of the Lord came to Zechariah. The rebuilding of the church does not depend on your solo efforts. God is using people in this room, people around you, and he is calling them and giving them uh, not only uh, answers to prayer, but he's working so in their life to be a blessing to you because we're in this together. If you are a part of the church of Jesus Christ, even if you're visiting the church of Jesus Christ, 
you get the benefits because we're all in this together. God uses other people other than you to build his church. And if we are God's temple, then if one part of God's temple needs repairing, we all need repairing. If one part of God's temple is suffering, we all are suffering. If one part of God's temple heard a vision from the Lord to rebuild the temple, then my brothers and sisters, we all are a benefit and a recipient of God's work in Zechariah. We all are a benefit and a recipient of God's work in your life. The Bible says that we must consider others more highly than ourselves. So if one part of the body is hurting, we all are hurting. And we should address the needs of our people as if it were our own needs. The problem we face as a church is that when we're healthy and when things are going good for us, we think that, you know what, it's probably going great for others. We think, look at me, you know, I can imagine Zechariah the prophet. Look at me, I'm a, I'm a prophet and, and God is speaking to me in dreams. But little do we know that God is speaking to Zechariah to give an encouraging prophetic word to someone else. God delivers you to deliver others. He is calling us to be priests. And if you've been at Grace Downtown for any number of years, you know that we talk about the priesthood of believers. Every member ministry, we are all priests. We are all intercessors. We are in this together. He is calling us to be priests like Jesus. Hebrews 4 talks that Jesus is the great high priest who's passed from the heavens. Jesus, the son of God. And so let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus didn't hold everything to himself, all of the glory, all of the goodness, all of the creativity and the, and the power. Jesus decided to create and to share it with his people. My brothers and sisters, I know a lot of times you might look at someone who is uh, a farther along than you are spiritually, and you'll be like, man, I wish I had the insights of Tim Keller. Maybe Tim Keller has like a, a direct line to God or something like that. My, my line is a little bit longer. You know, I got to go, I got to go through several numbers. You know, have you ever tried to call the IRS? You got to, you got to, you know, I, I, li- I literally went online and says, how do I speak to someone in the IRS? And they gave me a 10 step process and I followed that. And after 30 minutes, I spoke to somebody. So I, I, a lot of times I think in, in the Christian walk, we say, wow, that person is so close to the Lord that when that person prays, it gets answered. Man, what about me? Am I just like a leftover? But we fail to realize that God delivers people to be a deliverance to others. God blesses to make, to, to make you a blessing. God is a generous God. He doesn't keep things to himself. God gives and he overflows and he gives and he gives and he asks you to come and ask and, and he gives and he gives. That's the type of God we serve and that's the type of church God is bringing to this world, a church that gives, a church that makes an impact in its community, a church that's in the city and for the city, a church that's in uh, uh, your particular CG and for your CG, a church that's in and for you and for your flourishing and for the flourishing of those who don't even know God because God gives. He's a generous God and that's the type of church God wants to build. 
And finally, consider the small. Zechariah 4.10 says that do not despise the day of small things. God's temple is built by small, insignificant actions, seemingly insignificant actions over long periods of time. God does not dwell in the flashy and the fancy and the quick and the instant. Now, don't get me wrong. God could do things in an instant if God wants to. But oftentimes, God operates in the waiting through patience, faithfulness, long-suffering, perseverance, and the tiny mundane task of life. And he does great things with a little. He comes to earth as a baby. He feeds the multitudes with five loaves and two fishes. He establishes a kingdom with 12 underqualified men. He, he rides on a donkey. He's born in a smelly manger. Do not despise the day of small things. And that's why Jesus came to save us. Friends, the temple of God seems to be in ruins and it seems to be that there are much opposition and the church is declining and our city is falling apart and the opioid crisis has ravaged Washington, D.C., and the homicide rates are up, and the income inequality in this city is one of the worst in America, and our community people are getting sick. People are leaving the church. There is a pandemic, and it seems to never end, and the opposition and the trials pile on top of one another, and you ask yourself, what in the world is God going to do through his church in 2022? Well, my brothers and sisters, hear the word of the Lord from Isaiah 61. And Jesus quoted these same words, his first sermon in the same temple that Zerubbabel helped to build. Hear the words of Jesus Christ to God's ruin and broken people. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and an opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And if you look further in Isaiah 61, it says they shall build up the ancient ruins they shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastations of many generations. And if you hear that, that seems to be a vision that's impossible. How in the world, with all of the opposition that's going on, will God build his church? And who will God use to build his church, particularly in the year 2022? Who will do this great work? Well, if you've read with me and have listened, it's going to be the poor. It's going to be the brokenhearted. It's going to be those who are held captive by addictions, those who are held captive by mental illness, prisoners, the depressed, the faint in spirit. And if you said, <laughs> that's me, my brothers and sisters, you are qualified to build God's church because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by God's Holy Spirit. 
And the same spirit of the Lord who was on Jesus when he preached this great gospel message to a ruined church is the same spirit that is in the church today, right now. And all who belong to Jesus Christ, all of you who are poor and depressed and faint-hearted and weak and, and captive by whatever is holding you captive, you are qualified to build God's church because it's not by might nor by power, but by God's Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I feel like I am in that number. I am one of the faint in heart. I'm one of the poor. Father, I pray that if there's anybody in here today who can say, yeah, that's me too. <laughs> I'm a prisoner. I'm held captive by my lust, by my desires. I'm ruined. I'm, I feel devastated. I feel like giving up. I'm on the verge of breaking down. Remind that individual and those people that is not by might nor by power, but by God's Holy Spirit. And God's Holy Spirit uses ruined and broken people to build up his kingdom. Lord, use us this year in 2022. Let us know what you would have us to be as a church here in Washington, D.C. Let us know how we can love our neighbors and each other and hold up others more highly than we do our own selves. In Jesus Christ's name I pray.